Welcome to the Center for the Performing Arts at Penn State. I'm Communications Director Laura Sullivan, and you're in tune with Previews. Sitarist Anushka Shankar, backed by nine choice musicians, brings her fusion of Indian and Western music to Penn State's Eisenhower Auditorium on October 24th. John Raffis of the Center's Communications Department recently spoke by phone with Anushka Shankar, daughter of the legendary Ravi Shankar, about her North American tour and her newest CD, Rise. The CD is kind of a reflection of your background. I know that you were raised in, in three different places on, on three different continents. Do you, do you think that's a factor in, in doing a CD that's so eclectic in its musical choices? It, it definitely is, because... Um when I got into making this album, I wasn't necessarily setting out to do it with this outcome in mind. I wasn't planning, you know, that I was going to have separate sounds from different parts of the world and putting them together. What my motivation was was to simply be making music of my own in a very personal way and more propelled by curiosity. I was very interested to see what I would come up with when I didn't have those classical Indian boundaries um, imposed upon, you know, my creativity. And... Uh, so the fact that it turned out this way is, is actually very personal. So you're absolutely right. It's definitely coming from the fact that this has been my life and this is how I function is within all of these worlds. And right. that's very organically matched to me. You um, actually started this project when you weren't thinking you were going to be making a CD. Weren't you on sabbatical in 2004? That's right. That's absolutely right. I was initially planning to just go backpacking. I thought I was taking time <laughs> off for the purpose of a holiday. But then it came down to a choice, you know, because I started working a little bit, and I, and I felt like I was on to something. It was also something I, I really wanted to do, even if it may not have been what I thought I would need or want. You actually got some borrowed studio time from a friend, and that's what sort of was the seed of, of the project? Yeah, yeah, that was right. I was, I was planning to go uh, traveling from the end of the summer, and I had a couple of months um, where my boyfriend was coming to visit, and we just thought we'd stay uh, with a friend in Santa Monica in L.A., and then mm -hmm. that just turned into, well, the studio's empty if you want to work, and we just started working, you know, very slowly, just pretty much on my own uh, with my boyfriend engineering a little bit, and then we started bringing in guest artists, and, and then it just sort of felt like something I wanted to continue and something I wanted to finish. From the time you first got those initial ideas in the studio, how long did it take to record? It was... Uh, if you put it all together, it was about six months of recording and working, but it was spaced out over the bulk of that year off. I definitely took spaces in between traveling from L.A. to India, for example. There were a couple of months where I wasn't working right. and then came to Delhi and started up again. So was all of it recorded in California or were parts of it recorded elsewhere? It was elsewhere? recorded in, in five different cities in California, in New Delhi, Calcutta, Bombay, and a little bit in London as well. So this was the first time that you recorded an album that wasn't exclusively acoustic? Ah, that's correct. What what was that experience like? Did that did that feel natural or was that a learning curve? It felt it felt natural in a way. It was incredibly challenging um part, partly because of the acoustic with electronic mix and partly because of the different cultures that the acoustic sounds were coming from as well. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a lot of uh you know technical difficulties um with instruments with their tunings. Um, and things like that in putting them together. But I, I did really enjoy the electronic experience because, in a way, my history with recording has been uh, working in a very linear fashion. Right. You know, I tend to play a piece from start to finish the way I would perform and then just do that until I'm happy with it uh, being recording quality. 
But with this, it really was my first experience with, you know, this whole digital way of working and being able to record people in different cities and put it together, being able to modify things later, you know, um, just just having that sort of creativity at your fingertips, that that tool, which was really amazing. If if it's just in context, I think it's really amazing. And and you also used um, a, a variety of Western instruments on this CD. Can you tell me a little bit about how you made those choices? Um, partly, I was, I say in the first half of making the record, it was um, a lot of using what I, what my resources were, rather inviting friends to come in and play or, you know, just where I was and <laughs> what was available there. Mm-hmm. And then the second half, it was more of, you know, finishing the product, seeing what I wanted to complete the sound. Um, I am a, a, a big fan of, of bass and, and deep, uh, deeper sounds, so mm-hmm. having the bass is a real natural choice to put throughout the album. The, the drum kit, I thought, was going to be a, a very important way to counter the Indian percussion, mm-hmm. because the pieces do straddle this sort of east-west space a lot of the times, and with the percussions just being Indian, it sounded a little thin to me. You know, right. that, that was definitely needed, and, and I loved the way they ended up working together. You also uh, include um, piano and, and um, keyboards. You're actually playing um, keyboards on a couple of the tracks, and I, I mm-hmm. thought it was interesting also that on two tracks you're not playing sitar at all. Right. <laughs> That's right. I mean, that was a bit of a funny decision for me. I was, mm-hmm. you know, having second thoughts about, you know, releasing pieces without <laughs> me playing on it. But I really was approaching this album more as a, an exploration of composing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel the need to insert myself where I didn't feel I was necessary. Right. I, it, I really was kind of me learning more about how to create a piece and what was best for that piece, and just kind of learning not to have to show off with with my own, you know, <laughs> with right. playing all the time. Uh, but the keyboards, yeah, I did uh, not always in you know, piano sounds, but a lot of the sound effects and a lot of the, the support harmonies, things like that, I played. I, I do have a history of playing a little piano, so right. at least uh, you know that stood me in good stead. One of the other things that the CD makes uh, very prominent use of is electronic sound and, and sampled sound. Do you see that as sort of an attempt to reach a broader audience? People are taking it that way, but it was honestly uh, just me doing what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've listened to electronic music since I was about 16, 17 years old. That's right. always been my, my release, as it were. You have to play this very amazing, intense Indian classical music, right. and to be able to sort of leave and go out with my friends and be, you know, at trance festivals around the right. world has kind of always been my release, and I, I absolutely love it. So, um, you know, when I set out to make a record, it, it was a very natural inclusion. Well, my, my guess is that a lot of people, you know, because of the music you have traditionally played and because of your father being your mentor and your soul teacher, they probably think mm-hmm. of you as an old soul. But you are only 25, right? <laughs> That's right. So so it would be, I think, perfectly natural for you to be uh, very much a product of 21st century music as well. I think for me, um, just in reference to all of that, like the, the weight of the Indian classical music and my father and, and all of that, for me, the, the, one of the real things of, of beauty in my own love of music is being able to search for that depth and soulfulness in all kinds of music. And I know it really is a stretch, but it's particularly why I love that challenge. Mm-hmm. Is that in some forms of electronic music, you can achieve the same level of of depth and magic, even if it's coming from a different space. You know, it might be coming from a real driven, you know, sense of propelling you to loss by by getting more and more dramatic, more and more energetic. And perhaps Indian music does it by taking you really deeply within, you know, within the slow passages and all of that. But you know, I do find it taking me to the same place at the end. 
One of the um, the tracks I particularly like on the CD, and I, I don't know if I'm mispronouncing this, is Solea or Solea. Solea, that's right. Um, it's a beautiful piece, and it, it Thank you, you know, very nicely mixes um, flamenco influences, which I love, with you know, yes. classical Indian music. Um, I read one critic um, point out that they saw that as sort of two ends of the gypsy road. Do you Did you see it that way? Do you, do you see that as sort of... Um, was that a deliberate cross-pollination, or do you just happen to like flamenco music? Um, well, I did. <laughs> I mean, interestingly enough, my father did a show uh, co-hosted uh, by him and Yehudi Menuhin mm-hmm. in the early 90s that took place in Brussels, I think, that was called From Sitar to Guitar, mm-hmm. and it was tracing by having, you know, musicians from around the world tracing the journey from India to Spain. Right. And I saw that when I was a kid, and it did make a big impression on me, and I think that's when I sort of, you know, had my first curiosity about flamenco music raised. And uh, since then, I've always loved it. I can't claim to know a lot about it. Uh-huh. Um, but I am good friends with Pedro Ricardo Mino, who plays the piano on the album. And, uh, you know, it, 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 this is kind of one of those happy accidents that he was also visiting my friend in L.A. when I was there. Right. And uh, we started working on this piece together. And it was very challenging. I mean, I know I'm very happy about the fact that it sounds like it goes very well on the album. But it was difficult to do, even though we have certain similarities our approach is so different mm-hmm. and to try and you know be respectful of both you know it was was challenging for both of us prayer in passing also um in a similar vein has influences from three different schools of music it's a a, a very mellow piece that's based in a, in a morning raga from india which uh, is being incorporated with a very simple refrain that we're kind of repeating again and again but uh, the instruments on there are what make it very interesting because there's me on sitar and a wonderful Vishwam Mohan Bhatt on slide guitar, Indian Mohan Vina, which already creates such a sort of, you know, world fusion sound because it's a guitar but being played in such an intensely Indian way. And then uh, Ricardo's on the on piece again in piano, but we also have uh, the duduk from the Middle East, uh-huh. played by Pedro Eustache. And I love that instrument. It's very evocative and very, uh, very emotional. And again, a very challenging piece. It sounds very organic and very slow, very simple. Actually, there was a lot of electronic work that had to be done, you know, to make all of our our different uh, tunings, all of our instruments, you know, sound like they match. Another really interesting track is Red Sun. Um, I, I found it really um, fascinating the the use of percussion, but not in playing percussion instruments, mm-hmm. but having percussionists imitate percussion instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a is that something that's common to Indian classical music? It is, is very it? common, actually. Um, along with our our musical instruments, the percussion is all taught in an oral tradition. In order to be able to communicate, they do have what we call a language. That every single sound that can be produced on any of our drums also has a corresponding syllable, and they they're able to recite pretty much anything that they play. And uh, the way that we've done it on this album is is. Uh, more unusual, you know, the, the, quite that driven energy along with the bass, along with the drums, that's very unusual. Um, but the act of, of reciting the bowl, which is what we call it itself, is, is very common in India. One critic um, talked about your CD rise as being more about unity than virtuosity. Well, yeah, I mean, it kind of uh, goes back to you mentioning, for example, that I'm not playing on a couple of pieces. Or, you know, I definitely went through that that sort of decision-making process as I was producing the album as well, where it was like, do I want to show everything that I can do at this point? You know, for example, I find myself a much better sitar player 
today than I do, did five years before when I'd made my last album. And part right. of me wanted to you know, be able to play everything. And <laughs> but uh, it really wasn't about that for me this time. And I, you know, I just wanted the, the music to be the best that I could make it. There's been a lot of press about the notion that you are, are sort of the, the poster woman for reintroducing Indian classical music um, to your homeland. Do you see that as, as part of, of, you know, I don't know if mission's the right word, but part of what you do? Um, it, it's, a, it's a very heartening aspect when, when people uh, feel that way or, or let me know that. I, I do feel um, uh, proud about that occasionally when it comes to things like, you know, children or, or teenagers who I find you know, really being turned on to the music through me, or especially with teenagers and young adults being able to connect like you mentioned a little before, I think, through, you know, the slight crossover element and the fact that they can kind of connect to me a little better than perhaps someone who's much older and more classical. Right. Um, and when I find them coming to the classical music from there, it is beautiful. You were born in London, right? And then right. you, at some point when you were maybe 10 or 11, you moved to California? Mm-hmm. And you went to, to public school there? What was that like? Um, it was... Uh, Slightly difficult, but uh, more than anything, liberating in uh-huh. a way. Because I think um, having the third country open up to me, because I'd spent my whole life also spending a few months of every winter in India. Mm-hmm. So I kind of always felt like I lived in England and India. Right. And they were very demarcated for me. You know, India mm-hmm. was one thing. It meant one culture. It meant being a certain way. London meant, you know, being a certain home, a certain manner, a certain type of people. Right. And as a child, I, I, I could have ended up becoming one of those classic cases of, of being very lost between East and West, not sure who I was in the middle of all of that, you know, the way right. many people are. And somehow moving to a third country is what opened it up for me, because mm-hmm. it just was too much for you to be able to label it by place or by type, and it just became that I had to learn how to be myself. Tickets are on sale now for Anushka Shankar in concert, Tuesday evening, October 24th, at Penn State's Eisenhower Auditorium. Purchase online at www.cpa.psu.edu or by phone at 1-800-ARTS-TIX. For the Center for the Performing Arts, I'm Laura Sullivan.